So as I mentioned, we're continuing our stewardship series. And we're in this month-long series, and we've talked a lot about what stewardship is and what that looks like as it relates to idols vying for, vying to be priorities in our lives. Uh, we've talked about intentionality as it relates to our finances. And this week, we are focusing on the influence that good stewardship has on our lives as well as those around us as God is working his mission through us, his church. Jesus said these words in Matthew 5, 13 and 14. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. That is tremendous, tremendous influence. God has called us to influence and impact the earth and the people and those around us. We have his divine influence. And it doesn't just start and stop with our earthly influence, but the Father God actually influences us in our giving. And the giving that he's given to us, the gift of Christ Jesus. So God first gave to us, but then he influences us in our giving as well. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So God has influenced us but in, in his giving to us, but then he's also influenced us in how we give and his divine influence on us and our divine influence affects those around us particularly in that giving and sharing of resources the apostle paul writes to the church at philippians this thank you letter and it's really awesome because he's thanking them for their sharing but it's it's really also the influence and the impact that their sharing and giving has had on his life in Philippians 4, 15 through 19, the Apostle Paul writes, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and I abound. I am full, having received from Ephroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What's really key to me in, that, in those verses is that the Apostle Paul says, not that I seek the gift. So he's not seeking the, the gift of the sharing and the giving of the resources they, that they gave, that the church at the Philippians gave to him. But he's seeking the fruit that abounds to their account. So the natural and spiritual influence that we have as givers, it is the fruit or the reward that flourishes and prospers and overflows in our life that God has credited to our accounts in heaven. It's sort of a spiritual account. 
So God's, it's like, it's like a record. So if you think of your bank account, you, you know, you're keeping a tally of your debits and your credits or your withdrawals and your deposits. But it's the same way in our accounts with God in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that there's this debit and credit, this deposit and this withdrawal that we have spiritually. And the apostle Paul is thanking the Philippians for that very thing. And he's saying, hey, this is just not a natural thing that you're doing, but God is keeping a record and it's well-pleasing to him It's an acceptable sacrifice because it is a sacrifice when you're giving of your natural resources, but spiritually it's well-pleasing to God and it's being credited to our spiritual accounts. So as we generously give and we're sharing our resources, God supplies all of the needs that we have, all of our desires, not just one thing, not just, you know, a small thing, but it's all, literally it's all-encompassing so that we as his stewards, we can continue asking, we can continue seeking, and we can continue knocking because his influence is eternal. I'm gonna invite my husband, Mr. Anthony Blau, to come up and join me in this discussion. He's going to come up and, and have a seat here with me, and he's going to read Matthew 7, 7 through 12, a focus scripture that we're going to focus on the next few minutes in our discussion. So I'll hand it over to him, man of God. Okay, well, this morning I was told to read from Matthew. And um, I always read, um, I always read the Amplified Version. <coughs> but I forgot to call Pastor Mike and tell him I didn't want to read the Amplified Version. <laughs> and, and reason being is that when you go to the Amplified, if you go to uh, the true version, I mean, you version, and there is... The writings are from Jesus, are in red in normal King James. So, in the Amplified, it's not. So, when I was reading it, I was like, man, that's a wise guy, whoever, whoever wrote this. So, I was like, is this Matthew? Because I'm like, man, I didn't know Matthew was that smart or that wise. And then I finally realized that this was really coming from Jesus because it's, you know, his teachings. So, Matthew 7, 7 through 12 reads as this. Keep on asking and it will be given you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking reverently and the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives and he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, the door will be open. Or what man is there of you if his sons ask him for a loaf of bread, will you hand him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you hand him a serpent? If you then, evil as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, perfect as he is, give good and advantageous things to those who, seek, who keep on asking him? So then, whatever you desire that others would do to you and for you, even so do also to them and for them. For this is, sums up the law of the prophets. One of the things I think that really stood out to me in that reading that you just read is we're talking about influence. In those words that Jesus spoke, he's telling us that this divine influence that he's given us, we can use that to influence him as well. 
which is why I think he's telling us, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. We influence God in that, and God in turn then responds to our influences and to our influence of him, and then he influences us. So then, like he says that you just read in verse 11, so then, whatever you desire that others would do to and for you, even so do also to and for them. Any thoughts on that? Well, um, when I think about that, you just think about, you go back to the Ten Commandments, you know, and it tells us how we're supposed to treat each other. So, <clears throat> in regards to that, yes, I, I most definitely see where God wants to, you know, use us in a particular way, the way he wants us to treat others, the way he treats us. So, if we were able to pour out the love that he shows us to everyone else, it would be a perfect world, you know? We yes, absolutely. And so, that, in, that same influence is, is how God wants to influence us in our giving, like you said, the love that he gives us, we're able to pour out that love as well in our giving to others around us. So are you ready for God to influence us to be more generous in our pouring out of our love as well as we ask, seek, and knock so we can do to and for others as God does to us? Amen. Pastor Mike's going to join us in that discussion. Amen. Good morning, guys, and can we just give a quick round of applause to God and encourage uh, this couple of God in their influence this morning, which is awesome. And uh, again, if, uh, if we've never met, my name is Mike or Pastor Mike, and I get to add to the conversation this morning as we're in our third week of our uh, stewards series, and we're talking about the ways in which influence in the kingdom of God works. And for us, this has been really important to kind of focus again on what's at the center of our lives. In the first week, we talked about the idea of priorities, that sometimes we're tempted to think about the priorities of our lives are listed in order, and that if God is at the top of our priority list, then of course everything follows underneath, but sometimes we're tempted to believe that God slips out of that first spot and falls to spot two, three, or four, and then other priorities come and, and take his place at the top. But we kind of learned in that week that it, life is not really that way. It's not that orderly. The question becomes, what is at the center of life? Not what's in spot number one, two, or three of a priority list in life, but what is at the center? Who is at the center of our lives? And if God is at the center and all these other pieces that come out of the center and are influenced and organized and prioritized by what's in the center, then it gives our lives an order it gives our lives a way to navigate and to see through next steps and make decisions in life. We talked this morning about asking, seeking, and knocking. And the question for us this morning becomes, how would God work through us as we ask and seek and knock on the door of his life and his abundance and the way he gives and the way he influences how would God take that, our ability to access him and all his abundance and glory, and use that as a way to share his love and to spread the good news of Jesus? One of those ways is financial. 
is the idea of sharing financial resources in the church and then through the church to the outside world around us. So I want to ask you a couple of questions this morning as we've read a couple of scriptures, and particularly as we've read Matthew 7. And I just want to throw these out there and just kind of paint a little bit of a picture around these questions. First one is, what if we prayed to become more generous and then became more generous? For example, we might be tempted to believe that asking and seeking and knocking is really about what we want or about what we need. And what if we were to turn that idea upside down and begin to ask and seek and knock on the door of God's kingdom and his influence and his ability to influence us? What if we were to do that in such a way that it was on behalf of other people? We can always go and ask God for what what we need and what we want and trust him with that. But what if we were to take a step over the edge outside of that comfort zone and actually start to see asking, seeking and knocking as a function of other people's lives? What if we were to ask God for someone to be healed, someone to come into the faith? someone to be introduced to the Bible, someone to understand the story of Jesus and his sacrifice for all of us for the first time. What if we were to ask God for that to happen? Do we believe that God would influence us to make those things happen miraculously in our lives and the lives of others around us? Do we trust him that much? So that our asking, seeking, and knocking would go beyond the boundary of just my life. And then secondly, on that note, if we prayed for our site, Trinity South Naperville, if we prayed for our site to grow, would would we see this site grow as small and as, uh, as infant stage as we are? Would we see our site grow in leadership and influence in the community? And could we trust God to see that through? I believe the answer to both of those questions based on the whole counsel of scripture is yes. See, here's what we believe. We believe that all those credits and debits happening in the kingdom of God, those happen because of one person's perfection. And his name is Jesus. Because of his perfection, Uh, We have the ability to be imperfect. And when we are involved in asking, seeking, and knocking, not only on our own behalves, but also on behalf of others who don't know God, then we participate in God's influence in the world in such a way as perhaps even to influence him, to ask him, God, would you please come and strike a chord in the heart of my friend here who doesn't know you? God, would you come and find that person who is seeking you and through me give them encouragement today that they need to hear? And God, I'm knocking on the door of the great wealth of your kingdom and asking for that wealth to be shared here at the grassroots level where we need funding to be able to reach new people with the good news of Jesus. God, would you bring that abundance? Would you bring that abundance? And then in the same way, be able to 
take comfort and take peace in God and relax in him and see him answer those prayers in me and through me. One of the ways that God pours out financial abundance is through his own people. And that is why once a year, we take a short season, like a month, and talk about what it means to be stewards of the resources that God has given us. The idea really looks like this. As we've talked about this, this letter to the Philippian church, I want to read to you a different version than what we've read and shed maybe even a couple of uh, more shades of light into this. Paul tells the Philippians, I can do all this by the power of Christ. What is the all this that he's talking about? He's talking about the call he received to go to Macedonia and to share the good news of the kingdom of God. He was actually approached by a strange man called the man of Macedonia and called to go and preach the gospel in this new place. And he had needs. When he went there, he didn't really have any material possessions or a bank account to take with him. And so he relied on the generosity of others to be able to do the work that God had called him to do. Now, if he had simply shrunk back from taking a look at his resources and said, you know what, I don't have enough money to do what God has called me or asked me to do. Maybe I should just quit. Maybe I should just shut it down. He could have done that. He could have chosen to do that. And so could we. At any time and in any place, when God calls us to share the good news of Jesus with a new place, a new people, a new area, we might not go into that venture with all the resources we need. And in that moment, we might be tempted to just back away and shut it down. But in that moment, God would call us to faith. And he would call us to see the ways in which he could pour out his generosity through Jesus into our lives and in our situation. Paul goes on and says, but it was good for you to share in my troubles. The troubles he's talking about are not having enough material resources in order to do what he was called to do. He says, and you believers in Philippi knew what happened when I left Macedonia with a new call. He says, not one church helped me in the matter of giving and receiving. You were the only one that did. That was in the early days when you first heard the good news. And even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help when I needed it. And you did it more than once. It is not that I want your gifts, Paul says. What I really want is what is best for you. Now, here's what I want to throw back to you this morning as we talk about this idea. What Paul is talking about is the idea that giving and sharing financial resources from us into the kingdom of God, through us into the kingdom of God, and then into the world is actually not about the things that we share. It's not about the gifts we give financially. It's not about the amount of money that that is. When God calls us to share financial resources, what he's doing is he's growing us from the heart out. He's growing us to not be so dependent on finances and financial resources that those things become the center of our lives. What he's doing is he's growing us to remind us that he is at the center of life and that he will provide when we ask him and seek him and knock on the door of his kingdom.
The providing, though, it's not just for me. It's not just for who I am and what I want or what I need. But it is also abundantly for who? For others that God has placed in my life. And he strategically places people in our lives who need him so that he can reach them through us. There is no one who can be used by God through you the way you can. There is no one who can be used by God through your life the way you can. You are unique in the kingdom of God. And God wants to and desires to use your life and every aspect of it to grow other people in his kingdom and to share with them the good news of Jesus. This is how God influences the world around us. Now here at Trinity, we've got a couple of connections in the world where when we give financially, that money goes into a general fund that is then crafted into a budget and it is then shared across multiple ministries. One of those ministries starting next year will be Trinity South Naperville. We've been borrowing and bringing in money through a financial campaign called Immeasurably More to fund our new site here for the past two years. We've got one more year to go, and then the general resources of the church will take over and start to support our ministry here at Trinity South Naperville. But did you know that Trinity also has outreach across the whole world and that we have ministry partners across the world who are sharing the good news of Jesus with the financial gifts that we give throughout the year. I want to draw your attention to just one of those as a function of what folks would call organized religion, where people might have trouble with an organized religion and a church that is organized in its finances and budget. We have the blessing and the ability in that organization to share and to plan as God would have us, to share and to plan to benefit multiple ministries all over the world and all around our region and right here, right next to us. This is the blessing of what it means to be organized. This is the blessing of what it means to reach out into the world. And what I want to do is share with you in particular one of those ministries that we've been blessed to be a part of as we take a look at a couple of minutes of video and just look back at what God has done through some of that ministry work across the world. Take a look at this. Three years ago, Trinity entered into an amazing partnership with four other large Lutheran churches and with Lutheran World Relief. Our goal was to transform a region of Kenya to lift them out of poverty and to do that in a way that was sustainable for the future. In other words, we believed that together we could change the future of one area of Kenya for generations to come. The goal was to teach drought-resistant farming, to empower women and local leadership, and to do all of that in the name of Jesus. Now, here at Trinity, we did our part. We raised funds through our Advent Conspiracy a few years ago, and we used some other mission dollars to help supplement those funds. We've been praying for leaders and the work that's being done in Kenya. Now, LWR staff have used those dollars to implement the programs as we planned. And other congregations have been providing funding as well and also sending short-term mission teams. 
All along the way, we added another mission partner, Lutheran Hour Ministries. And their role has been to help us with the crucial job of sharing the gospel along with the work that we've been doing there. The end result, God has blessed the project mightily. The Makwani region of Kenya is never gonna be the same. Farmers are now using terrace farming and zypis to dramatically increase the farm revenues that they have. There are over a hundred new savings and loan associations, local leadership that's helping farmers with funding and with wise investment of their new income streams. And best of all, literacy is up among these farmers and the educational programs for their children have grown dramatically. Now, Joseph Musioka, the local project manager, summarized the project this way. He said, you have saved lives, you've reduced poverty, you've raised our standard of living. I'd love for you to hear from some of the people whose lives you have helped change over these past three years. Kilima Chamakone, Kigum. Nimekuwa mkulima kwa zaidi ya miaka 20 lakini baadaye hii miaka ingine kumi, mvue kaja kuwa kidogo hapa ndio sasa tukatufanya tuanze dunia za ukulima kwa mwaka mmoja sasa uliopita nimekuwa na Rutherland World Leaf na mimi nimepata mafunzo mengi zaidi kutoka kwa Rutherland mwaka huu nilitumia mbinu ya reaping na nikapanda pojo kwa wingi maana kama kutoka kwa kilo msini yaka moja mpaka kwa kilo miatatu kwa yaka moja hiyo imekuwa zaidi zaidi kabisa nimefanya bidii nikaunganisha wakina mama nao pia wakaanza kuingia kwa hii muradi kwanza ya kujua kulima kwa conservation agriculture nasema Mungu amenibariki zaidi maana yale yote yanayotendeka kwangu ni kama mjiza thank you for being a generous participant in the Kenya project these past three years Lutheran World Relief is seeking new opportunities to make a difference in the world in the name of Jesus. And I'm eager to see how we as a church family can continue to partner with them in the amazing work that they are doing around the world. So as you can see, what we do as a family of God at Trinity is important not only right here in Naperville, but also all across the world. So when we do financial education through the church as an organized body of Christ, what we're not doing is trying to take money from you. What we're trying to do is be a part of what God is doing all over the world in an organized fashion. And what that looks like for us is this. Those of us who call Trinity a church home, our family, we're asking you to consider taking another step on the generosity ladder. Now that's why I've got a ladder behind me here. We're not actually fixing the lights again this week. I've got the ladder just to demonstrate what it is that we are asking people to consider doing before God. Again, as a member of the family, if you're a guest with us, this is not for you. This is something for you to see happen in the lives of our people 
as we have called Trinity our church home. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, you would have received one of these from Heather as we began the message a few minutes ago. This is a pledge card that as Pastor Mark is going to be here preaching and teaching next week, he's going to be asking us to consider completing and tearing off this end section here, the perforated section, completing that and turning that in to demonstrate what we would want to do to participate in what God is doing here at Trinity. If you look at the first couple of bullet points, here's exactly what the call is for us. It says, I or we plan to give X percent to the ministry of Trinity from all that God provides for us. The second one says, I or we plan to give a tithe to the ministry of Trinity from all that God provides. The next one says, I or we plan to give consistently to the ministry of Trinity from all that God provides. And the last one says, I plan to begin to give to the ministry of Trinity from all that God provides for us. Notice that it starts from a higher level of commitment down to an entry level of commitment. Where that comes from is this, the idea that if we've never trusted God and shared financial resources before, God loves us, sent his son Jesus to die for us, and intends to grow us as members of his kingdom. He will, if we ask him, he will inspire us to take a step for the first time, a step that is courageous, where we might share a financial gift on purpose by choosing to do it rather than just by compulsion when the plate comes around or just on a whim. We will choose ahead of time to give a gift. And when that happens, we take a step on the generosity ladder. Or if we've done that before, God may call us to make consistent gifts that are financial. And we may ask him, God, give me the courage and the trust to be able to move from ad hoc giving to pre-decided giving. When we do that, we take a step. God may call us to move from consistent pre-decided giving to actually planning to give a percentage. Now, the percentage doesn't have to be 10%. If it moves in the direction of 10%, it could just be 1%. If we, let me ask you a question, if we move from inconsistent giving to giving a consistent pre-decided percentage, does God love that? Yes, he does. God loves us so much to give us that inspiration and ability. Then we take another step. And if we decide at some point along the way that we want to move from 1% to 2 and 2% to 3 God doesn't ever love our progress on the generosity ladder more than he loves us. The reason he gives us tools like the generosity ladder is because he loves us. And because he wants to grow trust in us for him. And when that trust grows, we begin to see life from a different perspective. We begin to see our surroundings and the people around us from a different point of view, a point of view that is God's. The more we allow God to use resources that he's entrusted us for a short time, the more we see how we participate with him in a wider world. 
Now again, back to the idea of organized religion. This is an idea that turns a lot of people off. The idea of giving money at the church level. If someone is visiting a church for the first time and hears a talk about money, that could be a real turnoff, couldn't it? If the church doesn't properly and appropriately place giving in front of its people, then it could turn off a whole generation and a whole region of people around it. But if instead the church properly teaches how finance work, finances work, then the church can be a part of God winning hearts into his kingdom. Hearts that were alone and had other things at the center of their lives than God. If the church teaches properly what God feels about us, then finances don't have to be that big of a deal. And organized religion doesn't have to be that scary, does it? The idea is simply this. God is at work in our lives, reaching people who need to hear him. He doesn't use everything else except for you to do that. He uses everything in his kingdom by design to reach out to people in the name of his son, Jesus. And he doesn't just use one part of you, like your ability to greet or your ability to sing or your ability to have hospitality in your life and have people over to the house or your ability to give financially or your ability to pray or your ability to study the Bible. He uses all of that, all of those tools for one purpose. And that purpose is to show you how much he loves you and how much he has called you apart to be special and to be powerful and to be used of him to reach people in the name of Jesus. There is no one who can do your life in the kingdom of God like you can. You are called and set apart for that special work. And so as we talk about finance, what we're really doing is we're avoiding, avoiding the subject of finance. We're addressing finance the way God has taught us to address it, to see it in the bigger picture of life, that God intends to use us to influence the world. So the question becomes for us as we take these commitment cards home this week, those of us who are here, the question becomes for us, where will we trust God to take a new step in the next year? Will we take a step from the ground to the first step? Will we see God at work in that? If we will do that, and if we will put that on here and turn that in, it will be a change in our lives that we have not seen before. It will be a way that our lives will grow that we haven't seen before. And it will challenge us in a way that will grow trust between us and God. The key question is this, will we trust him and take that step? So I wanna ask you a question today as we close. Do we give money to receive the favor of God in the church? Answer yes or no. No, we don't. How do we receive favor in the eyes of God? There's only one way. 
Who? Sorry. Through Jesus. God gives us all of him through Jesus without holding back, right? And so we don't share money and resource back to God's kingdom in order to win salvation. That's impossible. There's only one who could do that, and his name is Jesus. So if you're sitting here today and you're a member of the kingdom of God, and you're a member of the Trinity family, I want you to hear this message from the heart in which it's intended to grow you, to challenge you, and to stretch you, and for you to experience a new side of the love of God that you haven't experienced yet before. As all of us grow, that is what we do. If you sit here and you're not a member of the Trinity family, maybe you're not even a member of the kingdom of God. Don't hear this message as one that says you need to give money to be accepted by God because that's a lie. Hear instead that God loves you so much that there's nothing he wouldn't give to win your heart, including honestly putting into place the way organized religion deals with money. Can God handle that conversation? Can God handle a challenge against it? Yes, because his number one item on the agenda is you. You mean that much to him. You are the reason he sent his son. You are the reason that he breathes life into people brand new every single day through faith in Jesus. You are the reason churches organize and steward money. You are the reason because God loves you that much. So please take this message from the heart that it was intended to be shared with you. The heart of God who loves you. If you're a member of the Trinity family, please take this home. Pray over it. Get together as a family and look at it together. Decide, am I ready to take a step? And in the power of the Holy Spirit, Bring that perforated part with you next week and turn it in. Let it be a part of your offering. Let God grow your heart through it. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving all of yourself, for being the one who leads the way and teaching us how to rely upon you and not upon our own power, including in the world of finance. You're such a great God. And we love you so much. And we know that you're not afraid to talk about money. So many people are because they don't trust what's going to be done with the money. God, help us to grow and trust in you based on the testimony of what we've seen the money used for. That your work is being done all over the world, all over the region, and right here in South Naperville. We ask you, God, to grow trust in us. Grow in us the ability to take a new step. And God, if I'm trusting you for the very first time today with even a little part of this message, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for accepting me into your love for one reason only, and that is because of Jesus. I hear that, and I receive that truth now not because of my own strength and power, but because of who you are and how much you love me. In your name we pray. Together we say.
Amen and amen.